Uh, is anyone there? <laughs> no, no, that's a stupid start. Is anyone listening? <laughs> Wait, uh, you say hello and I'll be I'll be the echo. No, that's no. Just try hello. it. Hello. Yeah, well, you. Said oh no, it, it shouldn't have been a whisper. Do it again. Hello. Say, hello. Well, okay. Why is my echo female? Female. Don't don't because oh, like, when I was that, yeah I do when I was at school I had a and I'm doing this in quotes friend called Murray. Who I've heard would, about Murray. Yeah, oh yeah, everyone's heard about Murray. I hope Murray doesn't listen to Beyond well, Pod. Do you know what? I hope he does because I want him to know that when he was a teenager, he was a little shit. Uh, and <laughs> he would spend all day copying what I said. What, the entire day? Yeah. Okay, I don't have that kind it of It was either that or passive aggressively ignoring me, one or the other. Oh, yeah, you've mentioned that before. God, he was a. Uh, and well, he'd actually have the staying power to copy you all day. Yeah, and uh, or at least certainly for the whole of a lesson. Yeah. No, okay. I'd tap out after like 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. I mean, I. Yeah, I know various people who remember Murray, mm. and all of them have got kind of PTSD from knowing him. Well, he was that bad. He was like. Um, Thing is, he was very. Well, I mean, when you say PTSD, you don't mean like he was a bully or something. PTSD no. from how annoying he was. He was or... kind of. I I couldn't imagine being in a relationship with him because I imagine he was probably emotionally abusive. Oh no! You know, I, no, I haven't said his surname, but you know, I suspect he had that tendency because oh. he was. He came from a very middle class family, church going. Uh, he was. Um, how does that relate to someone being emotionally abusive? No, I'm trying to paint a picture of him. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to describe him. Right. He was always very well presented, like almost too kind of crisp, his hair perfect. His uh, He was sort of, his clothes were always sort of very, you know, he always wore sort of black and white. He was the kind of boy that was sort of wearer, and he did wear a, one of those piano ties, you know, oh. the piano keyboard yes. on them with a black shirt. Yeah. Blues, he was a blues brother. Not really. Anyway, he thought he, he thought he was very cool, but he was also yeah, and a bit of a he was well, he was just very passive aggressive, right? As a friend, and that's why you know some of us, my friend Steve, or Horsley, and our friend Giles, um, is uh, we all knew him and we all. Don't remember him particularly fondly, shall we say? Oh Even though we were kind of, because that's the the magic of someone who's passive aggressive, is uh, you know you kind of go, is is it me? For yeah. a long time, you leave, you leave <laughs> yeah. your time with them feeling worse than before you were. But with you don't them, know why. But you're not sure exactly why. Yeah. Sometimes you are sure, but but sometimes you're not. Yeah. yeah. Imagine living with someone like that for twenty four years. <laughs> Paul. What? I'm just saying hypothetically. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> We've only been together 10, just so any listeners who might be like... Also, I have no capacity for being passive. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just aggressive. Just aggressive. Joking. What a start to the Marillion podcast between you and me. It, is, it was very between you and me, wasn't it? Yeah. Some people are going to tune into this and go... Why am I listening to this about a passive-aggressive boy? How does this relate to Marillion? It doesn't. I'm sure we could find a way. It doesn't. At that time, you were listening to Marillion. But I do have some Marillion drama to talk about. What? Yes, get a load of this. This was posted well, this morning. recent drama? Well, yes and no, because it relates to something that was posted on Instagram back in February. Oh, is um, it? Oh, so it's not that a bunch of people have been getting their Fugazi Deluxe editions without the C, the DVDs inside. No, it's not. To and do that's with that. even people who've bought it from Amazon. Yeah, well, Fish Fish says it was probably a a, um, a pallet of eighteen. He said oh, this morning, but that's no, that's not so what it's about. But we are okay. This is we're not doing fish pity this week. We're we could, we could do a whole like ongoing podcast with, you know, fish is bad luck, but we're not going to do that. However, we are going to talk about Fugazi later in the episode, but this is just, a, it's going to be a general episode. It's right. going to be, I've got a few things I want to talk about, you know, hot, we're in a bit of a holding pattern before we get to anarachnophobia, but it's good because there's, there's stuff going on. Yes. And I just like ahead of time, like to apologize for myself. I've got a cold. It's not COVID, but it's a. Uh nasty cold so if i'm half 
on half half mast no half, a b- half b- a b- oh, is that bad? oh no <laughs> Wait, what do you think? It, what does that mean? As a, like someone's died? No. Oh. <laughs> Not full mast, but half mast. Oh, no, I, <laughs> I meant like half battery power. Right. Yes, you're apologising for Feel that. Feel free to cut that bit out, Paul. Nah, nah. <laughs> nah. We discussed it. Poor Chai last week, didn't we? I know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, so let's get back to this drama. Yes. Oh, and by the way, talking of cutting things out, you can look, feel free to skip this episode if you want. I, know, I appreciate we've started by just talking about some boy I went to school with. And it is going to be a bit all over the place I'm this week. I'm here for it. I'm but here. F- I'm living for this kind of... Episode. Yeah. Yeah, because we haven't had to do any real work other than listen to the Fugazi album. And watch the DVDs, the yes, documentaries we did. and w- stuff. Work. And, <laughs> and you investigated the drama. Yeah, so the drama. Right, so um, here's the Instagram post that this, is, this has been unearthed on Marillion and fans recently. Or this week. So this was posted by a guy called... I've forgotten his name, so I'm just going to open up my laptop again. Okay. <laughs> it was posted by a photographer called... By a photographer called Michael Johnson. That's his real name. He's a photographer in, in America. Mm-hmm. So the title of his Instagram post was The Album, album Cover I Never Knew About. Is there a photo to go with it? Yeah. Can it I was, just look it up? No, no, I can tell you what the photo... Uh, no, wait a minute. Although, do you remember when you came in earlier and you went, who's that girl? It's that photo. I didn't see that. On my laptop. When you looked over my shoulder and went, who's that? that Who's that? That is so not. Who's that girl's photo you're looking at? That's so not what happened. Mm, Kind of was. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Who's that? Anyway, let me me finish reading Robert Johnson's post. Michael Johnson, whoever he is, this Johnson fella. I shot this photo years ago with my wonderful friend, stroke model, Jennifer Stevens, in Dallas, Texas. Unbeknownst to me, the image found its way to a designer in London, Bill Smith, who decided to use it for the cover of an album called Brave, released in 1994 by the band Marillion. Since 1994, the image has been used by the band for covers, merchandise and across various platforms, making it a branding image for the band. I never gave authorization or permission for the use of my work. I was never contacted about its use to begin with. I learned about this band, this album, the unlicensed use of my photograph mere weeks ago. Unfortunately, some people do not respect the integrity of other artists' work. Some people think it's perfectly fine to lift an image from a model composite, crop it very tightly, manipulate it and never bother contacting the person responsible for that image. To be clear, it is never acceptable to use the work of any artist without the proper permission of that artist. I'm sure Marillion has enjoyed using the image for so long without fair compensation, but now's the time for a conversation about its future use. And then he's tagged Steve Rothery, EMI Records, Rhino Records, and then hashtag Lucy, Steve Hogarth, with other, um, with other hashtags that include copyright infringement, copyright alliance... Don't steal my art. Uh, piracy is theft. Copyright violation. Hold on a minute. I thought the model. I thought the band knew the model for the cover of Brave. No. 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 Oh. No. They they knew the one um, on the covers of Radiation and Dot Com. Well, they didn't. But and they and the and the boy in the. Uh, Misplaced Childhood <laughs> Pictures was the neighbour's son of Mark Wilkinson. The neighbour's son of Mark Wilkinson. Mark Wilkinson's neighbour's son. The neighbour's son of Mark Wilkinson. <laughs> That's a weird Yoda-like sentence. So, what do you think oh, of that? I'm, con- I'm so confused. I Why? swear that there was... Okay, well, no. Talk of who the person on the cover was. The, no, but there it... was talk of the, where the, the text on the cover came from oh, maybe which that was Anne was Frank's it. diary maybe that was it yeah oh no so it really is this yeah. guy's art oh, yeah yeah, yeah. No. so the thing is the band it's not their fault at all 
no, how would they you know, to know? They they hired a um, they you know they hired a, a photographer, Bill Smith Studios. Yeah, uh, uh, it's a bit like animatophobia, which of course we're getting to soon. Which the cover for that, you know, the the Barry on yes. the cover, yeah, the, that little anorak fella. He mm. came for a Japanese. Uh, I think it was either a car. I think it was a car alarm advert. Um, and the the reason why Barry is holding a coat hanger in the artwork is because it turns out, you know, that's what car thieves use to kind of unlock a door. It's got to put the, oh, the, right. the unraveled um, coat hanger inside the window. So, and that was, again, I don't think they had, there was permission oh, to no. use that. So, but it, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because who's, go, it, you know, let's say this guy did have the funds to kind of take this further. Mm. Who's responsible for recouping? Yeah, kind of pay- the money. Yeah, because you kind been- of go, why would the band be responsible if they didn't create the cover? They didn't source the image. Yeah, they trusted the photographer, but also and EMI job. who paid for and the EMI, artwork. Yeah, it's like who's then liable? Do you tend to ask the photographer? Every time, where did you get this image from? Well, no, yeah, you, you, I think it's an easy mistake to make on the band's behalf. But yeah, how um, were they meant to know? You kind of trust that there is a process. Yeah, that that this has been. You know, I'd like to know what the the deal is with, you know, Bill Smith Studios and the where the how how the image ended up in their hands. Mm. Where did that even? come from some some photographer in oh, some photographer in te- Dallas Texas mm. yeah yeah so yeah it does is does Bill Smith still work as a photographer yeah well yeah yeah well, like his company still name. Bill Smith yeah like okay which Carl Glover is is often the one who worked for Bill Smith Studios who's who went on I think on his own on his own terms and continued to provide artwork for and it was so long ago as well. It's tough. But the thing is, what in do that you time, do? are those people even still there? The thing is, in that time, mm. you know, yeah, this this photographer guy's right. I mean, you know, they've sold not only the original album, I know, t-shirts, DVDs, yeah. you know, other bits of merch, all with that image on. Because let's face it, it's it's of the eight year. I think it's the most striking album cover of Absolutely. the lot. Yeah, you know, it is. and it's it's how do you for a start even. You know, go going back. How do you estimate how much money they have made just through sort of brave merchandise and sales? Yeah. And then also, how do you break that down to well, how much of that would be due to the photographer how of the original would, yeah. image? How much would you have paid the photographer initially? Yeah. Whoa, what's going on? Hello, uh, this is Future Paul from the future. I've just popped back in time to tell Sanya and past Paul that the matter has now been settled. And Lucy, in Lucy's Friday question, said it was all compensated by the record company, but she cannot share any further details. So it was great recording that whole big section and then coming off uh, mic and seeing that that we had wasted our time. I'm going back to the future now where we have Meridian albums in pill form and the Meridian weekends take place on the moon. Yeah. More drama. Well, more than that. Well, now this is drama to do with you and I. Oh, right. right. Yeah. We got another letter. Now, Another one. I know this isn't a post bag week, but uh, I wanted to address this particular letter yes. on air. Especially because, especially at the moment, it, it's yeah. um, relevant. Let, let, let me just have a sip read of tea. It. Okay, so. you can sip away while I read. Ah, oh, Sanya, disgusting noise. Was it? <laughs> oh, your noise. No, it was your noise. You made that noise. I told you I was flying at half mast today. Stop saying that. <laughs> it's uh, such a horrible phrase. <laughs> you think about it. Yes, it is. Uh, so, hi, Paul and Sanya. 
I, sh- I don't know whether... T- I'm going to try and read this in a neutral voice. Please read it in a neutral voice, Paul. I know what, what you're in a... In a naughty... Not like, troll. Right in a naughty. Your inner imp is like... Right. Neutral voice. Hi, Paul and Sanya. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Paul and Sanya. Okay. That's a nice voice. I like Hi, that. Paul and he's Sanya. Good, he's going to come back. Hi, Paul and Sanya. You have asked that correspondents continue to state how much they love your show. <laughs> <laughs> that's, already, that's already a bad start. Already a bad start because then you kind of go... Because then I kind of go... Oh, I don't think my sense of humour was translated here. <laughs> I don't think it has. <laughs> I think that might be as much as anything the issue with this letter. So I'm not sure. Anyway. Hi, Paul Asanya. You have asked that correspondents continue to state how much they love you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't read oh, that. Dear. <laughs> Would you like me to read it? No. Up until a few episodes ago, I would have also said that as well. But the last few episodes <laughs> have been an increasingly difficult listen, as you and your letter writers have been, in my view, unnecessarily negative regarding the albums This Strange Engine, Radiation and Marillion.com. So it's, we're not the only ones to blame, it's the letter writers as well, so that's the important thing. We're all in this together. Yeah, um... Your constant criticisms of H is getting extremely annoying. And Sanya has even stated recently that she prefers the fish era. And I get the feeling that you do as well. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But I worry what reactions will be to future albums. Marbles probably accepted. All the letters that you read out seem to be slating these albums. And I find it difficult to understand the hate towards them. Tracks like Three Minute Boy, A Legacy, Deserve and Go are being treated with contempt. Christ, even Estonia is being written off. I couldn't understand why fans could be so negative, and then I read all the complaints regarding the title of the new album. Then I realised why. God forbid what complaints will be made if the actual content of the new album is not up to the expectations of some of the fans if the title caused such a furore. <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I did say that wrong. Furore. Führer. Führer. Oh, Führer. I always say Führer, but then that Führer sounds like... Führer is like Hitler. Hitler, but it's also... I always say Führer. Führore. Führer. I don't... Is it Führore? I always thought it was Führer. Führer. Let me look it up. How to pronounce. Führore. Okay, thank you. Führer. Oh, I've been saying it wrong all this time. Um... Anyway, to keep this brief, I'm afraid that I won't be listening to any of the future podcasts as it no longer feels that this is an appreciation of Marillion, but an excuse to criticise. From episode one, I've been looking forward to Monday mornings, but now I'm almost dreading what's coming next. Thanks for the entertainment so far from yourself and Sanya, but I'm sorry, I'm out. Regards, John. What have you got to say for yourself? How dare you, Lightfish? Dare I'd you. say how dare you. I hope John's not going to listen to the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, at least we're going to be positive in it. What I will say before. Also, we... I want to say I love Go. I love Go. I love you. Estonia. Love Estonia. I love. Um, I loved all of Radiation, or pretty much, or lo- most of radi- Radiation. I love. I like really like Three Minute Boy. I really like Go. I don't dislike Estonia. I just find it's been overplayed live. When uh, you disagreed with, and I didn't. Yeah, look. No, you didn't disagree with it. You just because I had got, an issue. I found you've got unprocessed things about grief, unprocessed feelings to do with grief. I'm unprocessed, are they? Thanks. <laughs> okay, maybe not unprocessed. No, no that, that, yeah, that I, was, I, I found I find the badly. lyrics a little bit trite, but I know I know that a lot of people have found them comforting. Yeah. That's what we said. Yeah. But we don't need to recap it all because it's all in the episodes. John does have a fair point. The last three albums have not been the most. We have not been very positive. That's Even correct. though, like personally, I think I was quite positive about radiation. So I thought I thought I was quite positive about radiation. But I definitely also. wasn't when it came to Marillion.com. Yeah, I will own it and say, yeah, I I agree. I don't don't think we were very positive. And actually, I was thinking about this this morning. What's interesting is when we started the podcast and those first few Fish Era albums, 
we were both worried that we were almost being too positive and people were going to think that mm. we were not being honest because generally I didn't have anything bad to say. Yeah. Apart from when it came to Emerald Lies. Yes. And a couple of other songs. But um, so I think we've come quite far before we started getting relentlessly or almost relentlessly negative. <laughs> Over to you, Paul Look, Rose. I, I, I'm a Meridian fan, and that means Meridian as a whole. I'm also, I would say that I'm more of a fan of the H era than the Fish era. Because partly, aside from anything else, the H era is current, the H era has done more albums. If you added up all the songs by Meridian that I love, there are more H era songs that I love than don't. This is not a Fish versus H issue at all. However, what we are doing, and what I think is really important to make clear, is that we're on a journey with these albums and the journey has ended up kind of mirroring what I and a lot of other fans went through during the nineties. You know, that's where we are. And I haven't enjoyed saying negative things, certainly not to the, 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 the point that we have, you know, to the extreme that we have. I agree with you, John, we've been really negative. I mean, you've however, outside of the podcast, you've said to me how, this is before John's letter, like this is yeah. weeks ago. You've said to me how much you weren't enjoying not being positive. I felt about guilty. Al- you know, I felt bad about it. Um, because God forbid any of the band and particularly H heard any of what I was saying, because what we're talking about are snapshots in time. And, you know, when we're talking about H's interview quotes or even the lyrics or what he's putting on albums or what the band are producing on albums. You know, they're reflections of where they were at the time. And we're talking, Mm. you know, 25 years ago now. However, what we are is a a podcast that is, for the most part, chronological in going through the albums. And it's great, John, if you like all those albums universally. I'm really pleased if you do. As several of our... Yeah. Listeners have said they do like them. Great, but regardless, for me, the Marillion's sales and and fortunes in the charts reflected for me the the quality of the albums. You know, I think not always because Brave and Afraid of Sunlight, let's not forget how much we've raved about those albums and also how much we had a lot of positive stuff to say about Season's End and uh, even Holidays in Eden, an album that isn't universally loved. And as I've said, for me, Radiation is not a bad album and it gets a bad rap. And I think we did a pretty solid job of defending Radiation Um and, and sort of saying that it's better than its reputation. And I'm going to do the same when we get to somewhere else, as I've said in multiple episodes of late. Um, but <sighs> Marillion in the 90s was struggling. There's The band themselves admit this. And they were struggling for money. They were struggling to get heard. They were struggling to hold on to their fan base. And all of it fed into each other. And... I think what we are trying to do on this podcast is explore why that has happened or why that happened. And that means, because for me, it affected me. And a lot of this I can only own and go, this is my point of view. Mm. But a lot of those comments in interviews, coupled to what I perceived as the quality of some of the music and lyrics and, and the melodies on the songs, that they pissed me off. Um, I don't want to go over it all again, but I think it's important for us to respond to why we're doing it because we're exploring why Marillion in the nineties nearly went tits up mm. and they did. Um, you know, thank God they discovered crowdfunding because that gave them the freedom to rediscover their voice. And not only that, but to rediscover their fan base and yeah. build upon it again. And they hired Lucy Jordash, who, I, I suspect kept the band on a tighter leash when it come to making com- came to making comments in the press because all of those things, those negative comments that were, let's not forget, kind of 
being disparaging about the band's own history, you know, alienated a lot of fans. And it alienated a lot of fans in addition because then the albums that they were putting out, particularly Radiation I like, but the production, the original production wasn't great on it. Yeah, Um, which maybe a lot of people as well have only heard the original production. Yeah. Yeah. so that's stuck in their memory and clouded their opinion of the album. We'll get on to the letter writers in a minute. But uh, .com, I'm sorry, I'm saying it again, is not good enough. That's not a good enough album to put out. you know. But they had to because they didn't have the money to work on an album for two or three years. Yeah, which they, they do couldn't, now. Which they do now. They couldn't afford to do it, so they had to put out an album. They were rushed in those three years. And... I know I was quite harsh on this strange engine, an album that is is liked by a lot of people, but I still also maintain that the the three good songs on there, which are for me what I see as the three good songs, "Man of a Thousand Faces," "Estonia," and the title track, are not enough to to make up for what is generally quite a bland album. And we are talking about an album that comes only a year or two after Afraid of Sunlight and then, you know, a few years after or three years after Brave. You know, they suddenly went sort of very bland. And at the time, I was confused how they could put out an album that sounded so mediocre after after two. And this is why it isn't a fish and age thing. It's a Marillion thing, you know, because, because... Brave and Afraid of Sunlight showed what that band was capable of, showed a band at the top of their game. And then the second they got into the castle years where they were rushed, they didn't have the money for a producer, they didn't, you know, all that sort of stuff affected the quality of their output. Mm. It did. And then on top of that, they were putting out albums that weren't what I wanted as a fan and, frankly, what a lot of fans who had been there since since the early days, who had been there and stuck with them... They were putting out albums that weren't the kind of music that we got into the band for, for God's sakes. And then on top of that, we were being told that the, the music that we got into the band for wasn't wasn't as good as what they were doing now. So this is why we've kind of ended up exploring that, because people like me, I stuck with them, but a lot of fans didn't. A lot of fans buggered off. Uh, and I don't think we are doing our job on this podcast if we sugarcoat history, if we don't explore a part of Marillion's history, that and those three 90s albums, the Castle Era, and what happened to the band then and how close they came to not existing, if we don't explore that, and it's as important as Fish leaving the band and H joining, it's every bit as important. Mm. If we don't explore what is effectively the darkest days of Marillion, then, then we're not doing our job. We have to do it. Mm. You know, we have to be honest. And it doesn't mean that that's how we're going to feel in the future. I mean, obviously, we've created this podcast because we've heard the most recent albums and are still like... But this is my point. This is it. I feel comfortable doing this because I know the story. You know, this isn't like, I don't know where Marillion are going to go next. I know exactly what happens next because we've lived it. You know, and I know that from Anorak onwards, what we're going to have to say is is going to be almost relentlessly positive. You know, it, it's, you know, from Marbles really onwards, yeah, there's going to be a few blips here and there. We're not going to like every song. But I know that we're heading into an era that is that that is the salvation of Marillion, both creatively and, and in, t- in business terms. And so if you look at it like a screenplay, you know, with a three-act structure, f- Fish Leaving is the end of the first act. You know, with my when I, I had a producer years ago, I always described the end of the, um, <laughs> of the end of the first act as a no shit moment, mm-hmm. and then the end of the at the end of the second act, which let's face it is Marillion.com and the band are now out of, uh, you know, any kind of record label deal, um, is a no fuck moment. You know, it's like what do we do now? All is lost. You mm-hmm. call it all is lost, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where we're at. But things are going to pick up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so I feel okay about it. But, and also, I'll stop monologuing in a minute and let you say something, Sanya, but 
Also, if we are just relentlessly positive about everything, and look, I've read biographies of Marillion and fan-written stuff about Marillion that is just relentlessly positive, and I've kind of gone, I don't believe it. I don't believe that this person has listened to every Marillion song and somehow finds something positive to say in every single one of them. We all have different tastes. You know, we all have, you know, different likes and dislikes. You know, the fact that I dislike certain songs on Marillion.com and other people might like those songs, that's great. You know, that's what makes the world. You know, H on his podcast last week was um, <laughs> was even sort of saying that he thinks... Neverland was too long. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, someone in the band has finally admitted it. Because <laughs> Neverland is too long. It goes on a bit. And that's what H said. Um, it really surprised me. Because yeah, I find, yeah, I just find the, the instrumental bit at the end, just it's just a bit self-indulgent. And it, a bit of brevity would have, would have helped it. But... Um, where was I going with that? What was I saying before I said that? Yeah, if we we are relentlessly positive about everything, there's a there's a thing in psychology about you know the reason why we have happy happiness and sad those emotions because if we were happy all the time we wouldn't know we were happy because mm. that's need just light and shade. you need light and shade and that means that when we get to those Marillion songs that we think are amazing and Marillion have written a lot of those, when we get to those songs, us saying those songs are amazing is going to have a lot more impact than if we said A Legacy and Enlightened were amazing as well. I do like Enlightened. Yeah, look, it's fine. Fine, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so that, and on top of that, we... We do bring a little bit of a, a an audience with us that, that didn't know Marillion. You know, we know some of them from our digitizer pages over on YouTube, are, are sort of listening to the band because I don't know they want to hear us rambling. So they're going through it, and I don't want us to come across to anyone, whether that's newcomers to Marillion or um, Marillion fans who are already existing. I don't want us to come across as, as Moonies who ca who have no critical capacity because we think everything that Meridian does, you know, is is like sunlight shining out of their asses. Mm. You know, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I can't and I won't. I won't compromise kind of being my honesty and integrity. I I did when I used to write reviews of Meridian for Teletext on their music pages because I knew those albums or those reviews were going to be seen by non-Meridian fans. Yeah. God, I said everything was amazing then. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I wanted about how great a legacy was and enlightened and you know, interior Lulu. Yeah, I reviewed those albums through gritted teeth slightly because I wanted people to check out the rest of Marillion because I knew what Marillion deserved and were were um, were capable of. But this is this is not that. For a, for a large part, we're talking to the faithful here. We're talking to Meridian fans who all have their own likes and dislikes. We are, um, we're talking to family. You know, I'll moan about my sisters or my mum or my dad, you know, but if anyone else does it, yeah, I'll, I'll come down on them like a ton of bricks. So I feel, I hope we are here among people who get that, but maybe we're not. Because I know a lot of Meridian fans... do kind of perhaps some of them are too critical and I don't really want to be that person but I feel like we've got the we're in the role of critics here and trying to be honest and authentic in what we're saying you know I get it right I've I, I've, I'm a Meridian fan I know what it's like to hear people criticizing my favorite band um you know there have been times where it's it's I've been probably full-on properly full-on triggered by people slagging really? off Marillion. Oh, I remember when Gavin once said something um, and I got, I saw red, our friend Gavin. Really? Yeah. Was I there? No. Oh. No, no, no. It was years ago. He said something about Fred. he liked Marillion. He no. went to Marillion weekends though. Yeah, he doesn't like them at all. Oh. <laughs> oh no. I don't know why he went to Marillion weekends. He doesn't like them in the slightest. He liked getting drunk and messing about, I think. Oh. Uh, but yeah, he said something once about Friday Sunlight and I flipped. Oh, really? Yeah. 
because <laughs> it was uninvi- an uninvited comment. Um, mm. Anyway, um, but we are not that. We're not outsiders. We are Marillion fans. You know, I am for sure, and Sanya is to a degree as well. But talking of Sanya, you know, her being a fish fan, it's just where she's at at the minute. At the moment. This yeah, is I the can't thing. help that because going through this chronologically, unfortunately, the last... It's not like we had... Okay, we did have a great album followed by a slightly, let's say, not as strong album. So we had Afraid of Sunlight followed by This Strange Engine wasn't as strong an album as Afraid of Sunlight. If that had been followed by another great album, maybe the story would be different. But unfortunately, it was then followed by two less strong albums. Yeah, I Radiation yeah. was okay, but it's not one of their best. Radiation and is Marilyn not Dot Afraid Com, of Sunlight I'm or sorry, Brave. It's not. It's, I just, it's not one that I will be going back to very often. Maybe not ever. I don't know. Um, oh God. <laughs> so so much for being positive. Um, so, unfortunately, because there was a run of three, I don't want to say bland, I know you've said it, for three, how can I word You're trying this? to be positive, just be honest, because that's well, three, my point. Albums that you didn't like as much. Three more um, average albums. Hearing earlier work did make me start to pine slightly more for that earlier music. Now, maybe if if I'd listened to Brave again after listening to those three albums, I would have been pining for the Brave era. But what happened was that a lot of fish era stuff came on and I could really hear the difference. Mm. So where we're at at the moment, I have to say, yeah, I do prefer at the moment the earlier stuff. And that's not to discount. I really love Brave, really love Afraid of Sunlight. They're like up there, top tier. And I'm okay. I have listened to the latest two albums as well. Uh, fear and sounds that can't be made and i really love those i love those just as much as the the their first yeah to say to say i don't the the gap in the middle i don't know but to say john that you fear what's coming in the future i'll tell you now post.com i broadly like everything um, that doesn't mean I like every song, even Marbles. I don't like Drilling Holes, you know, so... Oh, yeah, Marbles yeah, as well. I know yeah. I love Marbles. You, I know you love Marbles. Marbles I love. Somewhere else, I told you, I'm going to be its defender. Uh, Happiness is the Road, I think there's one amazing disc on there and one disc that's uh, a bit more mixed. Then you get Sounds That Can't Be Made, which is brilliant, and then you get Fear, which is brilliant. Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't have agreed to do this podcast had I not loved the latest two albums yeah, yeah because i would have been worried especially like as you said you can say stuff about your family you don't want other people saying it and i'm very aware of being the newcomer here and i but can't. you call yourself a fan now don't you you even absolutely. said it the other day oh absolutely yeah. i love their stuff i love the best gig i ever went to in my whole life was that marbles gig in um in the netherlands yeah that was phenomenal, which we saw again. Like, I liked it so much, I wanted to go again Went in Wolverhampton. Yeah. And it was, again, phenomenal. Best gig I've ever, ever been to. Um, so, but I know, as a newcomer, I I have to be careful. I don't want to be stepping on people's toes. Yeah, but also... Dropping but their also, babies. Do you know what I mean? I get that, but by the same but, token... Yeah, by the same token, I still have to be honest. You have to be honest, because otherwise and, that makes a, makes a mockery of what this, yeah. the, the entire format of this podcast. Yeah. And, You're a newcomer, I'm not. But what I have found fascinating with the last three albums is how you've gone on the same journey I went on in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, you know, where I kind of got to the end of those three albums and kind of went, I think I'm out, I'm done. Yeah. Um, and thank yeah. God that that didn't last. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if I'm really honest, I'm a, a bit worried about anarachnophobia. I know because you don't love it's it. Like, yeah, yeah. Let, this is the thing. Let's be honest. So it's, I'm worried. It's like, great, you know, are people going to want to listen to what I have to say? But I mean, it might, I might, it might grow on me the more I listen to it. I, uh, I don't love anarachnophobia, but I like it. 
Um, yes. Oh yeah, and there's certain songs that I do really love on so, like, But really, I don't want really to preempt I don't want to preempt it. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think there's a it's lot It's still too early to say. There's a lot around change. arachnophobia that's very positive to talk about the crowdfunding things and how the general vibe just kind of lifted mm. around the band. If there is a mistake we've made, I think it has been in doing three-week letters pages. It's ridiculous. We have got to stop doing it. We have got to stop doing that. You know, I know you want... No, every... we don't generally do three weeks of letters. We did on Marillion.com. Yeah, on Marillion.com But we that's did. even... That's ridiculous. It's such an unimportant album in Marillion's overall story. And we've done three weeks of freaking letters, which is more than we did on the album ourselves. We can't do that. I know you want everyone to be included, but we cannot do that. We have to either trim them back massively. You've or, got to trim them back. Yes, or we or we just leave some out. Unfortunately, our listeners do write very long letters. And that means, you know, and we like to talk because we are providing the commentary. Uh, and consequently, yeah, I get it. It has felt relentlessly negative because a lot of people clearly share our feelings about those albums. So, you know, what you're then getting is on an album like Marillion.com, six weeks of negativity. Yeah. and But then it was also <sighs> the previous two albums weren't like... Glowing, glowing full of praise. praise yes. And on top of that, then I add like sort of various meltdowns about H's interview quotes. So we have had like kind of like, like yeah. three, four months of us being yeah, negative. Yeah, so John has a really valid point. He does. Um and I, I think that's I get the it. issue. Yeah. If it was just us doing it. This is it, where we are in on the timeline, unfortunately. Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, that's where we are. So, having addressed that, mm. uh, I did write to John. Uh, and I said, sorry about all that. We think it's important we're honest in our opinions. And we see this as a journey. Part of why I'm comfortable with us being a bit less positive about these three albums is that I know where we're headed next. Which is what I said. Meridian from Anorak onwards is a very, very happy story as far as we're concerned. Meridian is a story with a happy third act. But fair enough, we'll respond properly at the start of the next episode. And John replied, Hi Paul and Sanya, I apologise for my own negativity. You don't need to apologise, John, at all. But as you said in the episode, you're only being honest. It just seems to be a continual moan since you reviewed This Strange Engine back in May. Which, yeah, as Sanya said, you've got a point. My listening experience is different from yours as only in the last few years I've been listening again to the band. I was aware of them before Script was released and bought the first four albums when they came out. I thought Script was okay, Fugazi awful, Misplaced Childhood okay and Clutching at Straws boring. He puts in brackets, I know, I know. Um, so he's very much more an H fan, I think. Uh, I literally right. never listened to Meridian again until I bought Fear on sale in FOP for three ninety nine. I thought that if that's crap... Never mind, but it wasn't crap. I knew, of course, that Fish left after clutching at straws, but I had no clue about the new singer. I'd seen photos of him, but he was covered in garish lipstick and with pigtails. Other photos, he was dressed as a priest. I now know why, of course. Anyway, after fear, I bought the CD DVD somewhere in London to see what the singer was like. The audio and visuals were a revelation. It's a great DVD, that. Great live show. Uh, And I continued to catch up on the back collection, spending a fortune on CDs, Blu-rays, deluxe box sets, merchandise, culminating in seeing both nights at the Royal Albert Hall in 2019. To be honest, I was firmly on the H side. The most recent deluxe box sets have made me look at the Fish era material in a new light, and I'm in the process of catching up with Fish's solo catalogue. This is mostly thanks to the excellent Fish on Friday broadcasts. There was still, however, no way I was buying the Fugazi box set. Wow. Um, you're going to love the next bit this this week's episode. Uh, but I have, and I'm really pleased that I did. I'm still not keen on Sheik Chameleon. Oh, he, oh, okay, he did. <laughs> oh, Twist. Twist. <laughs> still not keen on Sheik Chameleon. At the time of the original release, I hated Punch and Judy, but after listening to it again after all these years, it's growing on me. As it is you, isn't it, Sunny? You said it came on after .com the other week. Yeah. And you were like, oh, this is good. <laughs> I realised that you were bitterly disappointed with the Castle albums at the time, resulting in you declaring that you're no longer a fan so I can understand your negativity in that period, just as I had for the first four albums all those years ago. Anyway, thanks for the entertainment so far, and I look forward to your reviews of the Fish Solo catalogue, I think. Regards, John. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not sure about that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, anyway, I think he might be back on board, so that's nice. Okay. 
yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll be a bit more, our views will be a bit more balanced from this point onwards. Yeah, they will. They will. I think we've got a bit more, um, bit more light in the shade. Yes. A lot more, in fact. Oh, dear. <sighs> so everyone, yeah, if anyone else feels the same way as John, I apologise. We're not going to do three weeks worth of letters again. I'm not going to let Sanya beat me down about that anymore. Give me dirty looks. I'm we're not, not. We can't. I'm not. I haven't said anything. I can see the look in your eyes. Like, I you're, like already, already, you're I like. But all those fine. poor no, people who we, write in and don't no, get no, read out. No, it's fine. If we can edit the letters so that they mm. they all fit, then fine. One week of letters. That's it. We can't. We're gonna. We're gonna lose all our listeners, even when we're talking positively. Otherwise, because the trouble is as well. Everyone sort of says similar things. <laughs> um, you know, it's different if they're kind of talking about their own story or getting to the band or what they look forward to from the new album. But but particularly with the, the Castle albums, everyone really had the same stuff to say. Um, yeah. Yeah, that that's fair problem. enough. Problem. Fair enough. Now look, now we're getting angry letters from people who say they're out. Now look what has happened. So, the Fugazi Deluxe set. Who's got it? Who's got it? Don't send us a letter telling it, us. Can anyone... Can any, anyone can buy it, I'm assuming. On, <laughs> no, only Fish Era fans can buy it. No, if it's on Amazon. No, I, I mean, it's not sold out or out of... It wasn't like a pre-order and then they're not selling anymore. Yeah, well, I don't... Do you know what? I don't know. That's um, what I mean. If you haven't can, got it, could you order it still from Amazon? Possibly. You won't get it signed or... You might... Uh, get that, one without any CDs or DVDs in it. No, don't don't start spreading scaremongering. Oh no, yeah, They're cut that. With that. My cut, God, no! Cut that bit out, please. <laughs> cut that bit out. Don't do that. All right, no just just, edit just, that. just just damage their sales. Just shall edit, we, Sanya? Edit that. I'm no, it's staying. It's staying. No, don't make it stay. Stop! Stop it! Stop, please. Disgusting the way you drink. So, uh, yeah, you could have bought this from Fish's website or uh, the Marillion one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marillion, I don't know whether Fish got peed off by this, but Marillion shipped there earlier than him before the well, official Yeah, because he date. said, oh, you're not, don't ask me where your CD is. We're not allowed to send it out before, DVD is, we're not allowed to send it out before the 10th of September. And we got ours like on the... Yeah. Seventh or something. No, before that. Way before that. (laughs) Before that. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, so it's a new mix of the album. Famously, I won't recount the story of the making of the album because we did that back when we covered the album in the past. And also it's very heavily documented on the Blu-ray that comes with the deluxe set and also in the sleeve notes and also in the Prog Magazine article this month. So I have read the bloody making of... Fugazi, or been told the making of Fugazi multiple times now, and I don't need to hear it again. But the new mix by um, the Avril McIntosh and um, that other fellow who does them all, and Andy, I can't read it. <laughs> Andy Bradfield, that's it. Andy Bradfield and Avril McIntosh. Um, Sanya, you've had a listen to it, or some of it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Like the difference in the sound quality is magnificent. It's so clear. There's so much depth and yeah, it just sounded so luxurious. Everything was so crisp and I could really hear the lyrics so much clearer. Yeah, you can really hear the drums and the bass Mm. and the backing vocals. Oh, it was just beautiful really beautiful really hear the difference um yeah it 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 really the difference um that ian joining the band brings to it it stands out mm. on this and i think pete's bass as well just pete's the ri- I know. rhythm section as a whole is I'm just pretty, phenomenal i'm pretty sure i didn't notice the bass as much on my first listen way back mm. when on the original version but listening to it Again, on this version, it it was it really stood out. But it's the the thing as well is that it really brings to the fore. Listen to it again. The kind of 
the slight funkiness that Rothers has got going on with the guitar on this album yeah. particularly and the those the, the Arabic drums and mm. sounds on there, all of it really it's it's really crisp sounding. What I will say is they haven't warmed it up. It's still quite a chilly album. It's still got that if you've mm. seen the the documentary on the Blu-ray, there was a lot of cocaine floating around. I can still hear that on the on the, oh, the what album. Do you mean? They aren't able they they've only obviously clearly um they only can work with what has been recorded and what they've got. Mm. Um, I still find it a really remote, chilly album. But chilly in what sense? Emotionally, what, what makes kind it of, chilly? When you get to this, because I listened to script um, again just to compare, mm. uh, and there's a warmth to script, a kind of real, a human sort of realness to it. And, and are you, do you mean the music, the production, or the lyrics? All of it, the whole thing, all of it. Right. Um, musically, particularly, but also mm. lyrically, because let's face it, Fish was, um, you know, quite chemically uh, inspired on Fugazi by his own admission. And by Misplaced Childhood, it, it, that sounds almost sort of organic, whereas Fugazi almost sounds like a, an album that's been put together by a machine. I was going to say there's a certain metallic quality to it. Yes, I've yeah. always thought that. And it's it's yeah. interesting because it I it, it's um also reflected on the uh the the cover art or the in, interior cover art and the way the the lyrics are sort of um the font they use is kind of machine digital kind of font. I don't know if that was intentional. But but I think in terms of what the album is about and the way the cover, because this is it's the cover, all of it, mm. um, can, you know, contributes to this sort of remoteness and this mm-hmm. chilliness and this metallic, as you call it, which is a really good word, um, you know, of, of someone who is so sort of far gone and out there, a kind of rock star in his yeah. hotel room, you know, kind of distance from the rest of humanity. Um and what's really interesting, though, seeing them talk about it, is how that would appear to have happened by accident. <laughs> you know, it isn't like they set out with that intention. Right. It's just... It's Maybe just, just a reflection of where they were at at the time. But that gets back to Meridian.com, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and lyrics Absolute, like Deserve absolutely. and Bastard Radar and yeah. the like. You know, the, the art you produce is a reflection of where you're at. Yes, at that time. At that yes. time. And for Gazi, you can absolutely hear it. I think mm. uh, it, it. I mean, Fugazi still out of the first four albums is my least favorite. Yes, I. Yeah. Um, but the job they did on the sound is just beautiful. Really, really beautiful. Like so impressive. I, I would even go as far to say, if you haven't bought this remaster, please buy it because it's so impressive. Yeah, but it's really heavy as well in mm. places and yes. that you know I've, i'm getting this reputation of i don't like high energy or up tempo so- songs that's not true i fell in love with marillion when they were at their heaviest let's face it mm. um or also when they were at their most kind of you know ballady with misplaced childhood but i loved fugazi and i still do and i love the energy and the up tempo-ness so i if if they're able to capture even a bit of that mm. on the new album i'll be happy um i just don't want traditional rock songs you know even <laughs> listening to it though a, um fish does have a different kind of well it's that attack that attackness so i don't know i can't we'll imagine h singing well you say that I... in that style or having that form of high energy i think h's high energy is very different i know i've said that a million times you have. but um just as a little test i, I listened to uh assassin Mm. and power back to back oh interesting they share the same dna right power's not as heavy no but they've got the same dna oh um oh there's an experiment yeah yeah we should do that at some point yeah certain fish era songs and try and find their equivalent and you can draw a line between jigsaw to sugar mice to easter right very different but you know because as well i mean jigsaw when those drums kick in you know, and um, the other thing as well that really stood out on this for me, and I know obviously it was there on the original, is f- how high pitched his voice was. Me too. Jesus. Oh my goodness. There were bits when I was listening thinking, 
how how are you doing this? How do you plan on continuing singing at this pitch? Because you could almost hear his vocal cords being stretched to their limit. I know. And and thankfully that was dialed back by misplaced childhood and clutching of straws, but no wonder he buggered his voice out. Oh my yeah, no wonder. You could hear the nodules growing on his yeah. vocal cords. And he was again, I listened to some script just because I wanted to see if he was as high on script. Mm. Uh in places, but he seemed to be sort of slightly more comfortable uh key on some of those songs. But then then you're gonna get to Fugazi and it is it's it's almost like he's I don't know what he's I don't know what they're, he's up they're to doing. Anymore, but he's he even said in the DVD that he wasn't thinking about the future. He wasn't thinking about whether he could carry on singing at that pitch. Yeah. But and because I don't listen to Fugazi often, I found it quite jarring. Oh, really? Like, Whoa, God, I'd forgotten about it, that. It stood out to me <laughs> as well. It yeah. really stood out to me. Uh, the other thing as well, um, I was talking about this with you earlier, uh, was the ending of Fugazi. Which, because mm. originally, as they talked about on the documentary, is um, they wanted it to uh, to come to a full stop and not fade out. I mean, the definitive Fugazi endings are the live versions where it comes to a big kind of crescendo. It was on the album. It just it just meant it would fade out. And now they've obviously again just working with what they've got. They've they've kind of put a sort of full stop kind of ending. I don't know if it's better than the fade out. Uh, obviously, the the best version would be a big, kind of booming climax, but um, but it's different, and I'm used to it already now, having listened to it several times. So the other thing you get on here, mm. um, as well as a live, a 45 minute live show taken from is it uh, oh, from Swiss Montreal? TV Montreal? Oh, Swiss TV? No, that's not Switzerland, is it? <laughs> Montreux, I was thinking of. That's Switzerland. Wow. Uh, um, live in Montreal, 1984. There are, um, there's a, there's a, a, I'll start that again. Yeah, there's a two, two discs of, um, part one and part two. Sorry, I was confused. There's the show, the bits of um, Real to Real were taken for, but in its entirety. Which oh really is interesting. For... Wait, this is DVD. No, no, this is you listen. You've already listened to it. The CD. Yeah. No, I didn't know if there was a DVD count. Oh, there is. We well. haven't watched that. We yet. haven't watched yeah. that yet. I have. We actually we have we have watched it in a really fuzzy version on YouTube years ago, oh, last right. year or something. Um, but the the show is uh, you know, uh, taken from Montreal, uh, June nineteen eighty four. So, set list is Assassin, Punch and Judy, Jigsaw, Script for Just the Tear, Chelsea Monday, Emerald Lies, Cinderella Search, Incubus, Charting the Single, He Knows You Know, Fugazi, Forgotten Sons, Garden Party, Market Square Hero. So, basically, the whole of their first two albums, plus a couple of choice B sides. Mm. Um, and Market Square Heroes. Uh, it, it's an amazing show. You yeah. kind of like, you hear it and you go, bloody hell, to have seen that. Imagine them being there. then. Oh, the- can, I, can I make a. Can I confess something as well, which yes. shocked me? Yes. Remember when we were uh, when we did our first episode on Fugazi, and I said Emerald Eyes made me feel physically sick. Yeah. I actually like it now. I know. It's not one of my favourite songs. I don't, I, I like I actually, it. Actually, I was really enjoying the. Well, drums. that that's what I was going to ask you. Is it as this mix made you feel different about? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't like the. I mean, the lyrics still. I'm not a massive fan of. No, there's, it's a grubby what album. They represent, it's a grubby album as a whole. Musically, I have quite enjoyed listening to it. I like Emerald Lies. Especially the tumble of the drums. Oh my goodness. Like, whatever they've done. I still don't love that. Punch and Judy. I still don't love She Chameleon. They're all yeah, right. I still don't um, love She Chameleon, but I like it more than I did at the time. Right. And same with Punch and Judy. I actually enjoy punch and judy now yeah. again the lyrics what they represent not my favorite theme but on a purely musical level it's good fun to listen to yeah yes it's got a great beat uh, it's it's yeah. just yeah it's a fun song not the meaning of it is not fun no not fun uh but what is interesting as well with the show is again ian's 
impact on those script era songs. Mm. I thought just hearing his drumming. Yes. You, I kind of, for the first time, really, I kind of appreciated the difference between him and Mick Pointer when you kind of go, well, it's a different level. Because as well, he seems to have, I mean, all right, the band have clearly by this point been too relentlessly, but also they've all raised their game, I think, because they've got a proper professional, <laughs> as yeah. it were, in their ranks. He's injected some energy into the band. Um, and can I also shout out for the version of charting the single on here. I have always loved live versions of charting the single, which are always about twice as long as the B-side version. And this, I think, is the definitive version of charting the single and a song that really deserves a better place in Marillion history. Than yeah, it's it great. Yeah. Or when he, what was it? What was it that he sings? Choo-choo-choo. Choo-choo-choo. Yeah, but the way he sings it in this live version is exceptional. Yeah. But I love that keyboard, the, the sort of... Yeah. That sort of droning keyboard opening that they used to do live. It's great. It's great. And um, brilliant versions of everything on there. Yeah, I, listening to it again, I have to say, I think Script for Jester Tear is one of my favourite Marillion songs. Oh, yeah. Should be. Um, when that came it. on, it was just like... Woohoo! <laughs> uh, and a great 10 minute, oh, the, the classic Garden Party into Market Square Heroes segue, and a great 10 minute long version of Market Square Heroes. Oh, I haven't listened to that bit yet. Yeah. Great. Um, that was it, really. So that's, it's worth getting. Um, if you're not a huge Fugazi fan, give it another listen. Yeah, because like I said, Fugazi out of the first four albums was my least favourite. You know, I did like it, I didn't love it. Re-listening to this version made all the difference. All the difference. Absolutely brilliant, exquisite. And some definitive versions of certain script tracks yes. on the live show. And the documentary, well, there's two documentaries because there's the story of the songs as yeah, well. The documentaries are very insightful, very insightful. I yeah. mean, just hearing they're quite honest about the album. Yeah, yeah. And that it they didn't turn it. out as as they would have hoped. You like that, as didn't they you? would have liked. Yeah, I, I found that really interesting. And and just seeing how it it seems like it was a bit of a dark time for them or a yeah. messy time. And like they they all said it felt a bit dirty at the time. Well, yeah, cuz the they talk about stuff. yeah, they talk about playing snooker and all the the lines of cocaine just yeah. sort of racked up on the edge of the table. And, and it felt like they were a bit pressured to put out the songs before they felt finished for the band. Yeah. And then that affected how they felt about it. Um, the only thing I would say about the package is I kind of, because now as well, streaming wise, mm. the original version of the album you can't listen to. And I would have liked oh, to. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone. But that's interesting because other remasters. I know, and you it wasn't included on to. here. They clearly hated that original mix so much they didn't they, include it on here. They've wiped it from existence. Yeah. So you like can't a not even paint on Spotify. <laughs> to be fair, I wouldn't necessarily listen to that original no, version anymore. But it's sometimes nice for historical purposes. For his, except to compare it to the remastered yeah. version. Yeah. No, I mean, I've probably got it somewhere on CD. That I could listen to it. No, it looks like it's not on there. There you go. Wow, um, they've literally, they've literally wiped it. Do you know what I would have done as well? This is going to be trouble. I uh, can see the, I can see the glint in your eye no, I, and I, that, <laughs> that cheeky smile. What would you have done, Paul? I'd have put Cinderella Search on the album track listing. If they, they've got live Cinderella. Oh, they've sorry? got. A live version of Cinderella Search. Yeah, they've got they've got Cinderella Search on um, the on the Blu-ray, and but and and on the album, the remaster album. No, they haven't. What are you talking about? Well, I listened to it this morning. Cinderella Search is on the the live version. It's not on yeah. the, the original album. Oh, true. On I the, would yes, I would have yes. made it because it, if any Meridian B side deserved a place on an album. It was Cinderella Search. True. I would have found a place for that in the track listing. Pink Floyd did it with the final cut. They added a track when they re-released that. Called When the Tigers Broke Free that was written for the Wall film. 
Ah, yeah. So cinema search. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say take anything off, mm. but I would have put it on there and given it the full remix treatment. Mm. Uh, and put it. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have the space. Maybe I'd have put it between She Comedian and Incubus. I don't know. I like it at the end. At the end? Well, it's not at the end. But after Fugazi, you can't put it after Fugazi. Uh, maybe, actually, yeah, maybe true. I don't know, between Incubus and Fugazi. Because sometimes I felt... Yeah. I, felt, I always felt it was slightly unbalanced, though, having those two right at the end. The two kind of epics, Yeah, maybe Cinderella Search would have... Gone between the two, broken it up. Mm. An epic sandwich... Yes. Or a Cinderella search sandwich between epic bread. <laughs> anyway, look, right, I think we've talked about that. It's good. Go and get it. Yeah, get it if you haven't. Definitely worth it. Definitely. And it also features Sonia's favourite cover art of all the um, Meridian albums. Uh... I'm not replying to that. <laughs> right, apologies for the rant. That took up most of this episode, but I think we needed to restate it again as we seem to from time to time. We can um, move forward now. We're moving forward. We just, we have to be honest. I think it's important for the podcast. I think it's important for Marillion and I think it's important for the story that we're trying to document. Mm. Um, but for the record, it's not a Fish H thing. It's it's a Marillion thing. We love H and we love the H era. We do. We um, definitely do. Without a doubt. That's it then. Uh, next week, are we starting anarachophobia? No, we're going to talk crowdfunding next week, I think. And oh. and how that was. Oh, whoops, and, just kicked the... Yeah, I noticed. Uh, we'll, we'll talk. So it's the start of anarachophobia next week. Okay. Um, which obviously, you know, we'll talk about what happened post.com and, and led into anarach. And don't worry, Sanya, that you don't love the album. That's okay. Keep being honest. Because, I, well, because I have when to. you, I'm yeah. not, I can't pretend. Because when you I mean, do I try don't to dis- pretend, yeah, you, it comes across as fake. You're, you oh, can't. I know. You're I've, the I've worst got no liar. Poker face. I know. <laughs> I've got no poker voice. What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, see what? Right. Um, give us a subscribe. Uh, tell people about us. Give us a subscribe, love. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can go check us out on Patreon. www.patreon.com/slash/mrbiffo uh where you get episodes early occasionally we do a bonus episode we haven't done one in a couple of weeks we no, should do we one. haven't done one in ages um, but i'm going my lunch now so we won't get one this week <laughs> mr bifo's hung oh no you're not mr bifo in here paul's hungry <laughs> no. paul's hungry no bonus ep no bonus ep paul hungry sorry everyone right uh see you next week bye 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 <laughs>